the shotgun, running back on either side. The receiver to either side, second and ten from the 28 of Fordham after the Michael Nabrick pick. He gets the ball and hands off. Run to the right side. Ball's loose on the field. It's picked up by Fordham. Spence loses the football at the 29, and the referee line judge says, indeed, it is Fordham football. Boots on the left side of Nebrick in the shotgun. Wetzel Jones split to the left, Ajala to the right. He gets the snap. He drops. He's looking over the middle of the field. Throws it deep for Ajala. Back in the end zone. He is in for the touchdown with one foot. What a catch by Ajala for the score over Stephen Thomas. And Fordham expands their lead with 13-22 to go in the second quarter. 23-7 Fordham. First and 10 from the 43 of Sacred Heart. 6.20 to go fourth quarter. Pioneers with the ball trailing by seven. Noel, the redshirt freshman. Play action. Dropping back with time. Launches it deep up the near side. LeVon Williams picks it off at the 30. He catches it with two feet in bounds and falls out. Sullivan snaps. Wetzel holds. The kick is away, and the kick is just good over the crossbar. 32 yards for Mike Mirando. And Fordham's lead now a comfortable 37-27 over Sacred Heart with 2.05 to go in the fourth. Welcome you to an FCS playoff edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Definitely the first, hopefully not the last, with Nick Legerfo. I'm Mike Watts. We're going to have Joe Moorhead on in just a second. Tim Carey will be joining us to talk X's and O's. We're going inside the huddle later with LeVon Williams and Dan Light, who both made big impacts in Fordham's 37-27 win over Sacred Heart. And as we turn to Joe Moorhead for the first time here in this edition of the show, Coach, you guys came into this game. You knew defensively they caused a lot of turnovers. You only had one. Offensively, you knew they had a great running back. You forced a few fumbles. It seemed like you guys really executed the game plan that you guys set in to really uh, bring to them. Yeah, we knew that uh, going into it that Sacred Heart was a, a very good team, 10-2 record, and you know did some things on both sides of the ball that demanded our uh, full attention, uh, particularly Spence and, and you know the variety of you know fronts and coverages and blitzes and, and, and their ability to get turnovers on defense. So I thought our guys uh, rose to the occasion and, you know, um, played a great complimentary game of football. The offense playing well at times, the defense playing well at times, and you know, ultimately the special teams coming up at the end with a big kick. So it was a it was a great win. It's you know great to still be playing in December. And coach, it's been a while since Fordham has been in the playoffs. Last time, oh seven, with John Skelton, first time ever to host a playoff game in FCS. What was that like for you guys to host this game against Sacred Heart? No, oh, it was it was tremendous experience for our kids, and you know that was part of the. Uh, you know, push going into the Colgate game that if we won that game, that it was going to be one of two things. We were either going to get a bye, which would be tremendous, or we were going to have an opportunity to play another home game in front of our fans and our students and our alumni who came out. And, you know, it was another great show, and particularly with school not being um, in session. So it was, you know, a, a, you know, another great day for our program and, and a series of, you know, great moments this season. Now, Coach, everybody knew that they really were going to bring a lot of exotic blitz packages, yeah. and they certainly did in this game, whether it's the defensive line or bringing extra pressure from other places. You guys did a great job, really, with screen passes again this week, which you've done a little more of recently, specifically this uh, touchdown throw to Bucky Jones. Take me through what he did and what you guys are coaching on these screens. Yeah, this this was actually more of a play-action pass. You know, we, we faked the uh, inside zone, and the primary read was Brian Wetzel, and the safety fell off, and Tabucky was Michael's second read. So he dumped it down to him, and, you know, Tabucky made a couple good moves and found his way into the end zone. So I think that's one of the great things that Michael's been able to do, that we have some plays that are designed to go downfield, and, and if they take the primary read away, he's doing a good job getting to his check downs or uh, 
you know, tucking the ball away and running, and that was another great example of it. And one of the big concerns heading into this game, obviously, was Kashada Spence, the big running back for Sacred Heart. How big of a concern was he heading into this game that you guys would have to face this guy and contain him in the tackle box? I think our concerns were <laughs> realized on the fir- first drive of the game when he broke through and you know, uh, ran a couple of defenders over on his way to the end zone. But, I mean, he's a 230-pound back that has good moves and, you know, excellent speed. So, uh, you know, aside from a, a couple explosive runs, we did a pretty good job, you know, uh, keeping it inside and, and creating some turnovers. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly lived up to the billing. Well, Coach, you take away two of his really longer runs, especially the 65-yarder, and all of a sudden his yards per carry was only 3.15. And while certainly to take away the big runs would, would – really take away from his value to the team to only allow two long runs and otherwise really bottle him up for a defense. Is that a bit of a win for a guy who came in averaging so much and carrying so much of the load? Uh, it, it was a win in a sense. You know, we, we were happy that we were able to, like I said, uh, you know, keep, keep his yards per carry down for the most part of the game. But that's what we talked about on Sunday with the kids that, you know, you can't play great defense for, for 95% of the snaps and let two or three plays you know, kind of put a damper on a really, really good performance. So that'll be our challenge, you know, not to look ahead, but, I mean, it's going to be a very similar challenge this week with Terrence West because, you know, he's he's one of the best, if he's not the best running back in the country. Well, you talked about Kashada Spence on the Sacred Heart side of the ball. One of the guys that really came out running the ball well for you guys is Michael Niebrick, your quarterback. And he had been a little tentative, it seemed, on that knee that he injured previously in the year. But uh, today he seemed like, or this week rather, he seemed like he was pretty confident on that knee. Do you think that uh, he's fully confident and ready to move heading into this next game against Towson? You know, as as the weeks have gone by, he's feeling better and better with with his – with his knee, and I don't think he's making good decisions. You know, when he breaks through the line and he sees there's a, you know, potential for a big hit or a collision, he's sliding and getting down. But I think you saw his competitive nature come out there in the last two or three series that, you know, uh, you know, he was putting his shoulder down and running. You see here in the goal line, we're in an empty set and you know running an inside zone there and you know, really just putting his shoulder down and trying to find find some space there. But yeah, I mean, he, he's you know doing the things that are necessary for us to win the game. So he's being smart when he has to. But you know, when it came right right down to. Uh, crunch time, you know, he, he was lowering his shoulder and getting the yardage he needed. Now, Coach, we talked about how much this team would probably miss Patrick Murray at the start of the year. You get an all-conference player punter, an all-conference player at kicker when it's all yeah. said and done. So really the drop-off, not as drastic as some may have expected. But Mike Mirando in this game came up with some big field goals and maybe a little bit of luck on this one. But really for him and for you guys, how much did it mean for him to have the confidence to go out and make these kicks and really become a weapon for you guys. No, it was huge. You know, he, um, you know, this this really made it a two score game, and you know, it was I think the third time this year that he's had three field goals in a game, and a little body English there to, to get the thing in. So obviously, you could see he's real fired up. But if you remember, that's the thing we talked about at the beginning of the season that they're losing Patrick, and we're going to have to find three people to replace him. And I think we've done a pretty good job of uh, kicking by committee with McKay Red. Handling the kickoff duties, uh, Joey Pavlik punting, and then Michael handling the uh, the PATs and field goals. So, um, you know, they, they've done a good job picking up the slack. Now, after that, that field goal, you guys are up by 10 points, a two-possession game, as you said. You give the ball back to R.J. Noel and the Sacred Heart offense. What do you tell your defense before they head back on the field there for that last series? Uh, don't give up a long touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I mean, if you take a look at the clip, you know, we're, we're in a three-man rush and adding Jake on with a twist game there, and, you know, we're in a max coverage, and, 
you know, I, I think our line has done a good job in these situations, you know, utilizing the twist games and, and, and finding a way to get home against these five- and six-man protections. But, you know, that was a, a situation where they could have really, you know, uh, it, it could be real aggressive in the pass rush because we were up two scores and we were playing deep in coverage. So it was a must-pass situation, so they knew there was a great opportunity to, to get to the quarterback. Coach, finally, when you look back at this game, for really, we, we talked about before the game, turnover margin would be such a tremendous part of this game and for you guys to go plus three against the team that led the nation in turnovers forced and turnover margin at plus 22 it seemed like you guys were able to impose your game maybe better than they were able to but first that doesn't take away from sacred hearts great season but for you guys uh, it must be pretty gratifying to see you guys execute the way you guys really plan to all week yeah and i i mean you know certainly a lot of credit you know goes to coach Noffer and his staff for the turnaround that they've uh They've had up at Sacred Heart to go from two and nine to ten and two this season in conference champs and you know uh, players of the year on both sides of the ball. They've done a f- fantastic job and it was a difficult game, but you know that was a message the entire week that you know the team that won a turnover battle and the team that had more explosive plays was more than likely a team that was going to win the game. And certainly that was a, a tough challenge, you know, as they had you know led the country in takeaways and, and number one in turnover margin for. So for us to be able to execute our scheme on both sides of the ball and, and get that done was a credit to our kids. Well, that ended up being the case this week, and hopefully we'll see what the team can put together on the road this coming week when they play Towson. We'll talk with Coach Moorhead a little bit more about that later in the show. Later in the show, we're also going to have on LaVon Williams and Dan Light. But first, we go X's and O's. We've got assistant coach Tim Carey joining us, a recruiting coordinator for Fordham, but also in charge of safeties. Coach, first time we've had you on, but we're glad we finally got you. Thanks for having me. Well, after a week like the one your safeties had, certainly a good week to get you. Jake Dixon and LaVon Williams, and even the safeties who aren't starting, whether it's DeSisto or Pinckney making plays on special teams, it seems like you guys have a really good group to coach this year. Yeah, the kids, uh, you know, they do a great job, and, and they've worked hard, you know, I guess since since the spring and uh, understand the scheme. And I think the second year in it has really helped those guys, um, you know, in terms of, you know, knowing their fits in the run game and the pass game. Well, you, you talk about how they're dynamic in both run and pass. And safeties, oftentimes what over, gets overlooked is their ability to come up on the run. Jake Dixon and LaVon Williams have had a heck of a year coming up in run defense. And what, what is it about these guys that makes them so effective in the run game? You know, I think, you know, a big part of it is kind of what I talked about before and just in terms of, um, you know, understanding this, the defense and, and, you know, who fits where in terms of uh, blocking schemes and, and where they need to go. And, and that stuff has progressed throughout the year, so it's really given them a, a better feel for where they belong and when, when they're in those spots and they've made some plays. Well, and with a running back like Kashawn Spence, it really takes a team effort. And in the play we're going to look at right here, a fumble by Spence, and really it seemed like the entire defense, including your safety, swarmed on the play, and it made a huge impact. Okay. And, and I believe we've got it there. There we go. Uh, Coach, right. take me through this. Okay. So, you know, they're running outside zone play here, so we obviously we've got to get an edge set on it, and uh, we do. And then the, our Mike linebacker comes through and gets a hand on the ball and knocks it out. And uh, anytime you're playing a back like uh, Kashada Spence, you've got to gang tackle. Um, I think uh, if anybody was watching the game at the beginning of the game, you probably saw that as the safeties got run over and buried, um, but they redeemed themselves later. But, um, you know, so what you see is, you know, setting an edge and then guys running inside out. And, uh, you know, Jake Rodriguez makes a great play, and then uh, we're able to get four or five guys around the ball and actually get, get the ball. 
All right, now let's go through the, the rest of the game here. It's the third quarter of this one. Of another very important play in this game in terms of turnovers. The Sacred Heart came in having such a good turnover margin. The defense is able to get a turnover on this play. Not a safety making the interception, but Jordan Chapman actually making the interception. Why don't you take us through the uh, the coverage that you guys had running on this play right here okay yeah at this point in the game you know we were kind of looking to change some looks up for him so we went with a, a too deep look and Jordan did a great job sinking you know underneath and the ball was a little underthrown and you know having a tall guy like that he's able to go up and make a pick with uh, the safety being over the top he can be aggressive and you know he made a great play on that and uh, you know was able to return it and get us into uh, some good field position for our offense well let's take that a step further you see Jake Dixon come into the picture there at the end you talk about how it allows a guy like Jordan Chapman to maybe make a gamble like that and really Ian Williams is able to make plays like that a lot too so how important is a guy for Jake Dixon who doesn't have a lot of interceptions this year LeVon certainly does but for Jake to be coming over the top and and for your safeties to be able to make a quick move like that on a deep pass route be able to set up your corners to make plays like that oh yeah absolutely I mean that's critical in terms of the scheme of the defense and allowing you know guys to to make plays um, you know in certain schemes um, you know, to be able to trust that the guy that's over the top or the guy that's underneath is going to be there, and then they can react accordingly, and I think that's what you saw there. All right, now let's talk about your other role on this team because you're also a big uh, person in terms of uh, recruiting for this this coaching staff, and you're actually one of the few people that was retained from Thomas Ellis staff originally. So you were here during that 1-10 season, and you're here now for this 12-1 season. What has this turnaround been like for you coaching on this staff? Uh, you know, it's been awesome because, you know, a lot of the kids that were on that team are, are still on this team. And uh, to go through that, I mean, all the kids are great kids, so it, it feels good. And obviously, you know, the turnaround, there's, there's uh, you know, a lot that you can learn from, you know, the differences between the two teams is for myself, somebody that's a young coach. And, and, uh, but, but mostly just seeing the kids and the excitement and, and uh, that, which, you know, obviously you don't have when you're, you're one in ten. And that's, that's tough to kind of deal with sometimes. Well, and Coach, when you look at at your role as a recruiter, certainly there's players taking prep years. There's players like LeVon, who we'll have on later, who came out of Nassau Community College. There'll be players directly out of high school. So for you, what are you looking for really at at any of those levels? For a prep school guy who maybe is a a year more built and and spent some more time in maybe better coaching, or for a high school kid who maybe didn't have great coaching coming up, or a JUCO guy who maybe is going there whether it's to make sure he's academically ready or to make sure he's athletically prepared to go to a level like this? I think at you know, each of those levels you're kind of looking for a little different thing. Um, you know, sometimes you may want a high school kid um, who's going to have four years of eligibility that you can bring into your system and kind of mold and the prep school kids you know, fall into much the same. And then sometimes you're going to want a junior college kid. You know, if it's a position where you know, suddenly you don't have the depth that you thought you would have or, or things happen or you know, kids move positions and, and, you, and you want to bring in a guy that's a little more seasoned, um, you, know, you kind of have to evaluate that each, each year on your roster and, and see where that fits. Um, in terms of what, you, what you're looking to bring in. And how much time do you guys spend usually in a, on average in terms of going through game tape, going through all these different films and the highlight tapes that you're getting from all these different recruits? How much time does that take for you guys to go through? Uh, it takes it takes a good amount of time. Um, you know, obviously during the season you have quite a bit of work to do in terms of game planning and getting preparing for the opponent team. Um, but you also every night you need to make phone calls. Um, we're allowed to call these kids one time a week. Um, 
during during the season, um, and and you've got to keep up with those those calls, um, build relationships with the kids, and then you've got to evaluate tape. I mean, I would say most of our coaches probably evaluate somewhere between 750 to 1500 kids a year, um, especially with you know as much film as on the internet now. And now you're you know even watching more film. And now, for me, my last question. I'm sure Nickel will have one more, but you know. Coach Moorhead, it's a spread offense. It's it's really based on a lot of speed. You've got a lot of skill position guys that make significant impacts. Defensively, you guys are not afraid to blitz. You put man corner coverage on a lot of the time, single man coverage. So for you, how does that change what you're looking for from the Masella time where maybe it was a different defense, a different offense, to right now where seemingly you've really changed the whole system up? Um, I think, you know, it, it probably the, the kids that you're looking for are the same kids, but now you're looking for in terms of numbers, you know, a different, you know, you're looking for more of those guys, more of those skilled athletes um, that can play those positions and, and, and give you some depth on your team uh, to do those things. Um, so in terms of what you're looking for athletically and the type of kids, that, that probably hasn't changed much, but, um, you know, just the, the numbers that you're looking to build your team with. Well, something that has changed in recent years, Fordham is in the playoffs. Now they're in the second round of the playoffs playing against Towson on the road. Uh, big week for you guys. What are your guys, specifically in the saf- safety spot, going to have to do this week to be successful against a team like Towson? Um, we're definitely going to have to play high-disciplined football. I mean, they're a, they're, they're a team that, that runs the ball well. Um, they'll throw some play action and, and nakeds, and then they throw the ball down the field as well. But, you know, eye discipline is going to allow us to, to become involved in the run game and then also take care of our responsibilities in the pass game. So that's going to be a big part, and then we're going to have to tackle great. Um, we're going to have to get downhill, and, and we're going to have to uh, wrap up and run our feet and gang tackle. Uh, they have a great running back, um, you know, I, I think the leading rusher in the country, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he'll be a great challenge for our guys, and they're going to have to play well. Well, Coach Kerry, thank you so much for the time. We're glad we finally got to have you on. Well, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. All right, well, for Coach Kerry and certainly the entire staff, looking forward to next week. But now we go inside the huddle to talk with two Fordham players that made big impacts in Fordham's FCS home playoff win over Sacred Heart. We have Dan Light, a Fordham tight end, and LeVon Williams, a Fordham safety, who caused a couple of turnovers. And, Dan, we begin with you. And really, when you look back at the final weeks of the season, Lafayette, a bit of a struggle on offense, but... Colgate, you put up a lot of points very early. This week it continues, especially in the first half. A little bit of a struggle in the second half, but what did you guys do right specifically in the first half? Uh, I think the main thing we did is we took care of the football. Uh, one turnover, and it was on a slip pass by uh, Niebrick. He'll take care of that. It was something with his glove. But other than that, I mean, we really took care of the football, took care of the little things. I mean, still got to do better with penalties. We're getting behind the sticks and taking ourselves out of field goal range. But when we take care of those two things in particular, we're very hard to stop. Certainly. Well, and as we turn to LeVon, I think turnover is certainly the story on offense and trying to avoid them. But for the defense, you guys have caused them all season long, one of the best turnover margins in the nation and continued this week. How much have you guys focused specifically on getting those turnovers, making stops in that way? And really, you look at red zone defense, you come up with plays there. It seems like you guys make big plays when you feel like you need them most. Yeah, we're very aggressive with our uh, game plan. We just try to compete at its highest level. Uh, Coach Blackwell just put us in a great position, you know. He make aggressive calls. We we just he just tell us go out there and make plays. So we try our best to do it. And when I, when we have our backs against the wall, it's just a lot of pressure to make another play. So it's very helpful with his play calling. So 
Yeah, well, and Coach Blackwell certainly involved in the play calls. We'll see later a couple of turnovers that you were able to get involved with. But, Dan, when we look at you, a lot of the plays you made this year, you don't exactly have as many yards as some of the receivers, but you tend to draw double coverage a lot underneath. And this Sam Ajala touchdown is a great example of it, where two come to cover you, it leaves Sam open downfield with only one guy on him. How much respect does that show to you as a player to have a guy like Sam get open because you're able to draw the double team? Yeah, I mean, when when you have good athletes like we do, it's it's very tough to double cover somebody. And I mean, I mean, I'm honored they double covered me. But when you leave a guy like Sam open like that, I mean, he's gonna make the play nine times out of ten. And with three one thousand yard receivers, it's very tough to double cover all of us. Certainly. And for you, nine catches, career high, tied with a game, I believe, against Holy Cross a year ago, and a career high in reception yards. You get so many of those after the catch. For you, how important are you as a safety valve to an offense like this that gets a lot of downfield play, but it seems like on third and five, second and seven, you're the guy who goes and gets those yards and gets a first down? Yeah, I mean, third down efficiency is huge for an offense, and I take great pride in being the best option on third down and let those other guys make big plays on first and second down. Well, let's take a look at a play here, a turnover that, LeVon, you were able to get involved in. This is a fumble that was overturned on replay. And, and first, just looking at this, did you know that this was a fumble on the spot? And for you to recover it, how important was that for the team? I couldn't see it, actually, at first. And then once uh, the running back rolled over a little bit, the ball popped out in my vision. And it was just a great uh, change of momentum for us. It helped us out a lot, you know, because we had a, we have a bend-don't-break mentality, and it just – it just helped us out overall. That that really changed the game. Now, for you, you said you didn't even know whether or not for sure it was a fumble. But to play to the to the whistle like that is that something that's coached? Is it something that you've always been coached to do? And you know, how big of an impact has that made over the year to make plays like that that maybe aren't completely sure, but you play it all the way through just in case? Yeah, you never know. Uh, you just play it through the whistle, like you said. Uh, big players make uh, big plays, so you just keep on playing to the end of the whistle. You never know what can happen. You know. Just keep on competing. LeVon, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You're a big player, and you make big plays. Appreciate it. Man. Well, and Dan, let's let's talk to another big player who makes big plays. And this one isn't even really through the air at all for you. You didn't go downfield, but it's a, a pass block on your part. Coach Pace was on a couple weeks ago. He said how important your pass blocking was. And this was against a former teammate of yours. So tell me a little bit about how much maybe uh, how much you focus on being able to run block and even pass protect when you're asked to do it. Yeah, I mean, when you're a tight end, you're asked to do two different things. You know, it's a lot of responsibility. And um, you can't really take pride in one or the other. I mean, the good tight ends do what they're asked to, whether it's running or catching the ball. And, uh, I mean, certainly catching's a lot more of the glory. But running, I mean, take great pride in having C.J. over 1,000 yards rushing this year. Yeah, so let's take a look at maybe another play. This one is a defensive play. It's an interception on your part. Yeah, catching tends to get a lot of the credit. And you used to be a wide receiver, and maybe you went back to those roots on this play because a really dynamite interception, but really your coverage the whole way down the field was excellent. As a safety, how much, uh, how often, I guess, are you put into that kind of situation where you're going man-to-man? And take me through this interception because it was excellent. Well, uh, we, we play a lot of man here. We play a lot of cover, cover zero, so... Uh... During the play, uh, the tight end ran a flat route. I thought he was running a flat route, just straight to the flat and just buzz it. So I see him run a flat route and convert it to a well. I break down, I get depth, and I sink with it. And then I just body, put myself in body position and just jump out-jumped him and made a more athletic play than he did. Yeah, well, in terms of a, a play like that, it seems like you've made a lot of them this year. But going forward to a team like Towson, 
that runs the ball so effectively. You've made so many plays in run defense this year as well. So what's your mentality with another really great running back that your defense is going to have to go up again this week in the second round of the playoffs? Just try to give him, keep him in a box. Don't give him that much room to breathe. You know, just stuff the run. That's that's what we say. We just stuff the run so he won't have an opportunity to get any first downs or breakouts or explosive. You know, just any chance we get, we're just going to try to hit him hard as we can. Well, and how do you make sure that maybe you're not the one taking the brunt of that force? There's a play in the in the first half of this game. It was a 65-yard run. It seemed like you know the running back for them really he was a, he was a load. And it seems like you're going to have another one this week. So how important is it to really effectively tackle, especially before a lot of momentum gets into a run like you know a 65-yarder where a guy at 250 pounds really has a, a lot of momentum going with him. You just have to go full speed when you tackle. You can't just give him a little shoulder. I just try to give him a shoulder and knock him out of bounds, and that was my mistake. I should have just wrapped him up and went low or went full speed and wrapped him up. Uh, the guy with Talons, and we're going to do the same. I'm going to make sure I won't make that mistake that you can see. I'm going to uh, wrap up and hit him really hard and just see what I hit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, LeVon, really, you had an excellent game in this last week and, and certainly hopefully another one coming up this week. And, and Dan, really one last question for you. And, and this has been a tough season for you. Your father passes away in the preseason. The whole team goes up to the funeral. And, and you really have made it a point to put this season out there for him and for you to get first-team All-Patriot League, for you to make the catches and make the plays that you have, and really for your family to, to be so involved. How much has their support mattered, the team's support mattered? And for you, what has this season been like? I mean, it's been a challenge. Absolutely, but uh, with a great support system, that's it's very helpful with my family. Great support system, my uh, family makes it every game, and my team, like you said, coming up and supporting me. I have a great group of guys and a great head coach and a great position coach, great coach and staff. That I mean, when you have that support system around you, it makes everything a little bit easier, even when it's challenging. And for you, I mean, it seems like everyone talks about how positive you are and what an impact you make as a leader, and for you... How difficult is it to maybe keep that outlook as well as you have in a year where, you, you know, you kind of say that it has been a little bit challenging for you? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, but, I mean, I have a, a duty to my teammates to come every, come in to work every day and separate my personal life from what we're trying to do as a team and have a successful season. So I try to separate those two things. Well, Dan, certainly, uh, you know, all of our best and our, our wishes and our prayers with your family as they have been really all season. and. Thanks for coming on, and, and thanks to you, LeVon. And, guys, best luck next week. Thank you. Sir. Well, it's time to look ahead with Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead and joined again by Nick Legerfo. I'm Mike Watson. As we go into this second round of the NCAA playoffs, Fordham headed on the road to Johnny United Stadium. All the coverage on WFUV 90.7 FM kickoff, 1 o'clock, just outside Baltimore in Towson, Maryland. And, Coach, as we turn to you, you look at this Towson team. It's another CAA opponent. You've already beaten Villanova this year. But what different challenge does this CAA opponent maybe present to you guys than maybe what you saw in week two against the Villanova squad? No, I, I mean, it's a tremendous challenge. I mean, you look at the job that Coach Ambrose has done with that program, turning them into a perennial top ten team and, you know, entering the FCS playoffs as the number seven seed. There's there's really not a weakness on any side of the ball. We're on special teams. So, uh, you know, our mar margin of error is going to be very small. Um, you know, they're well coached. They're disciplined. Um you know, their kids play hard, so it's, uh, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be an uphill battle. Well, you guys are going to be on the road in a playoff environment, and down there at Johnny United Stadium seats roughly 11,000 people. How important is it for you guys to get off to a good start to avoid the crowd being a factor in this one? Uh, I mean, it's important every week, you know, but, um, you know, particularly that, 
you know, Towson has the experience of, of you know being in these second and third round games, you know, for the past few years, and uh, you know, being a home stadium and, and, and a you know a good environment, you know, down there, you can see that they, they've drawn well, and their fans have been very supportive. So, you know, like any week, we're going to have to you know come out fast, and you know, you can't fall behind a, an explosive team like this because it's uh, you know you don't want to put yourself in a situation against these pass rushers and. You know, with their with their speed and, and their ability to rush the passer, you don't want to get into a situation where you're, you know, you know one dimensional and have to throw a bunch of times because you're going to get sacked. Well, and coach, in the playoffs, there's maybe a tendency to want to look ahead, but with Sacred Heart, a very good opponent, you guys really did focus throughout the week. But was there anyone who focused on finding tape for Towson, knowing that they would be the next opponent? How did you guys maybe try and figure out how to get? tape on them how to maybe begin to scout them and, and when did that process begin was it five o'clock on saturday no there's there's a there's a um an fcs playoff role that you get to tape after after your game ends so uh you know we we got going on them on sunday and you know uh you know, just as a brief introduction with the guys uh sunday night and you know we'll, we'll have our first full practice for them tomorrow and coach you hate to look too much into a comparative matchup but mike did mention it earlier they did play Villanova, and Villanova played them in Johnny United Stadium and beat them on national television. Does that give you a little bit more confidence knowing that you guys beat Villanova earlier in the year? You know, I think it's something that you can look at, but I don't know it will necessarily have a bearing on the game. You know, you, you could look at Sacred Heart and say that, you know, they beat Lafayette, and, you know, we lost to Lafayette. So, I mean, it, it's something you can point to and use as, as a, like I said, a point of reference, but it, it's not going to have any bearing on this game. They're, you know, our game was... Seems like a, ages ago, and you know they're game. They're a different team. We're a different team. So it's it's going to be a matter of who prepares well this week, who gives great effort, and who executes their scheme better. So our our kids understand it's about this week. It's not about what happened in the past. Well, when you look at a guy like John Robertson for Villanova, he was a guy who completes a high percentage of passes. Who is a dual threat passer? Is he essentially a guy you can look at on tape and essentially say this is a kind of guy with a similar skill set to a Michael Niebrick? and try and maybe take what they did with John Robertson in that win, uh, homecoming day, national TV, to maybe take that and maybe use some of their concepts in your game planning? Yeah, I mean, we'll use the Villanova game in our, in our breakdowns, but at the end of the day, you you know look at the teams who have like formations and you know see how they're defending those things, and you know you just have to put your game plan together based on you know what you feel, how you feel that they're going to defend you, you know, relative to the things that you run. So uh, certainly Robertson had a great day that game, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, he was 17 of 18 and, and had over either 150 or more yards rushing. And, you know, the big thing was they held a distinct time of possession advantage. I believe it was 40 minutes to, to 20 in that game. And, you know, with a potent, you know, Towson offense, you know, with Athens and, and Terrence West, you don't you don't want to give them too many possessions because, uh, you know, they're liable to score from any anywhere on the field at any time. And you just mentioned Terrence West. Uh, he leads the team in rushing, averages about 155 yards per game. How big of a challenge is it going to be for you guys to contain him as similar to what you did against uh, Kashada Spence in, against Sacred Heart? Yeah, I, I don't know. You said it right. I don't know that you stop him. You know, you hope to contain him. I mean, we, we've, I don't know if you call it fortune or misfortune to go against some very good tailbacks this year. The Harbridge kid from uh, St. Francis is up there nationally in yards per carry. And, uh, Yards per game, as well as the Spence kid, and now with, with Terrence, you know, is uh, pr- you know probably the best out of those three, just statistically. And, and you look at him; he's he has the whole package. He's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's elusive. You know, he, he can you know run away from you. You see him with a bunch of long runs as well. So, and, and it starts up front. I mean, they, they do a great job with their offensive line. They utilize a different you know bunch of different blocking schemes, and you know complement it with play action passes and, and quick game. And 
you know, they're, they're just a well-coached football team that plays hard. So, uh, you know, we can't just focus on stopping West, although he's certainly, certainly the focal point of their offense. Coach, you're certainly a great quarterback guy, but when you look at Peter Athens, he was a guy who didn't even start last year. He came into training camp, earned the job, a senior for this Towson team. His top two receiving targets likely to miss this yeah. game. What specifically about Peter Athens has impressed your staff? What does he do well, and maybe what does he need to change without maybe his top targets available? You know, I, I think Coach Ambrose and his staff will do, do a good job putting him in position to be successful. I think the most impressive thing is, you know, he's kind of bided his time throughout his career, and you know, was behind a kid last year who was a multi-year starter and did, did a fantastic job. And in a lot of ways, he reminds me of the uh, Bukowski. I think that's how you pronounce it, the kid from Lehigh that, you know, you know, sat for you know, first three years of his career, and then came out and had a really good year a, a, as a senior. So. Uh, you know, he certainly is, is very proficient at uh, being a drop-back thrower and, you know, play-action game. And, and he, but he, when, he, when he tucks it in and runs or, or does some things with his legs, he's a threat to beat you too. So, you know, they've done an excellent job develop, developing him. And, you know, he's, he's had a very good season so far. All right, Coach, moving to the offensive side of the ball, from your perspective offensively, what are the biggest challenges that this Towson defense poses to your offense? I, I think it's just their, their overall size, their speed, their athleticism, and, you know, you know, they really get to the ball and tackle very well. I mean, they're 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 fundamentally sound. Uh, they play hard, and, and if you look at them in, in the statistical categories, they're, they're they're top twenty in scoring defense, rushing defense, and, and all those things. So, uh, it's um, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's hard to find a weakness. Coach, finally for this week, when you look at the big wins that your team had this year, Temple, FBS, but they only have one win. You look at Lehigh, they didn't end up making the playoffs. You look at Villanova, they didn't end up making the playoffs. So maybe the top 10 and top 25 wins or even an FBS win maybe lost a little bit of their luster, but this Towson team is as good as advertised. Is there any concern for you going into a game like this that maybe those previous wins were, were a bit of a mirage or are you – your team confident in your abilities going into one like this? No, I, I don't think I don't think you know because of the season that that those teams have had. You know, following our game necessarily takes any of the, the luster off the wins. I mean, they were top ten teams at the time, and you know Temple's gone on and gotten two FBS wins. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, the bottom line is that Towson's a very good football team, and they, they got a first round bye, and they're the seventh seed for a reason. So, you know, we're going to do what we do every week. You know, have a great week of preparation, go out and play with tremendous effort, and. You know, hopefully execute our scheme better. And, you know, it's, like I said, tell us who we're playing, spot the ball, and, you know, let's go play the game. Well, that's Fordham football head coach Joe Moorhead and for Nick Legerfo and our entire WFUV crew here for Coach Tim Carey, who joined us, as well as the Rams players that came on this week, Dan Light and LeVon Williams. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow complete analysis at WFUV Sports and at Fordham Rams as the Rams travel to Maryland here this week, and you can catch the game live online and on the air, 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. So for myself, Mike Watson, our entire crew, thanks for tuning in this, uh, this week. Regardless of the outcome, we'll see you next week here on Monday Night Quarterback. So long. First and goal from inside the one. Ahead 10-7. The per- first play of the second quarter. Niebrick alone in the backfield. A wing left. Three receivers split to the right. He gets the ball. Quarterback draw up the middle. Pushes the pile. He is in for the touchdown. From the Sacred Heart three-yard line. The Rams roll three receivers to the wide side of the field. Right at tight left. Niebrick in the shotgun with 2.40 to go in the second quarter. And Fordham ahead 24-17. He's got Koontz on his right hip. 
He looks in, gets the football, he drops back, he throws, near side, Coots at the goal line, and he dives for the goal line, he is in for the touchdown! Second and 17 from the 42-yard line of the Pioneers, Spence next to Noel in the shotgun. A wing to the left, double, t- double receiver right, getting the ball. He watches it deep up the right side. It's intercepted. Running it back at the 35, Jordan Chapman across midfield. He's got blockers across the 35. It goes out of bounds at the 32. Sullivan snaps. Wetzel holds. The kick is away, and the kick is just good over the crossbar. 32 yards for Mike Mirando and Fordham's lead now a comfortable 37-27 over Sacred Heart with 2.05 to go in the fourth. Niebrick in the shotgun prepares for one last snap in this game. Clock to 32, he takes the snap, takes the knee, and this one is over. 